welcome to the Uttlesford Planning Policy Working Group uh, uh, February meeting and a warm welcome to uh, everybody who's come along this evening. Um, this uh, meeting is broadcast live, uh, so I will try and introduce so that the listener can understand what's happening as well. Um, I, I sense that you've probably come along for item five, but because that's fairly early on the agenda, I won't change the agenda around because I hopefully we'll get to that point fairly quickly. Um, so without further ado, uh, I'll take apologies for absence. I've had an apology from Councillor Davy. I know that Councillor Parry um, is unable to attend and I know that Councillor Dean is unable to attend. Have we any others? I think Councillor Lemon is unable to come as well. Right. Uh, any declarations of interest? No declarations of interest. Okay, we'll move on to item two, which is the minutes of the previous meeting. Um, first of all, for those of you who are present, who I think uh, you all were, um, do you find these a, an, a true record? Thank you. Okay, we'll move on to item three, which is uh, the matters arising from the minutes, and I'll go through page by page. Page five. It's not page five of the minutes, that's page five of the, uh, the, the agenda, which starts. That's the first page of the minutes. Um, page five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, page 12. There are no matters arising from the minutes. I move on to, I would duly sign those minutes at the end of the meeting. I now move on to item 4, which is the evidence-based review and work plan. Uh, and I will ask, uh, I believe, uh, Mr Taylor to um, talk to that paper, which is, the recommendation is to note the report. Thank you, Chairman. Yes, this was, uh, uh, we discussed this uh, briefly at the last meeting, looking at the evidence base we currently have, carrying out a review of that, and looking at the work that is needed going forward. The actual paper itself is, is only two, two sheets, but there is a, a more substantial um, appendix to that week, which details all the evidence base we have and the, the findings of it and the point of it, and, and looks at it, its age. So if I take you to um, page 14 in the table there, you can see that in paragraph 6 we talk about um, the range of evidence we have. The majority of that evidence base is still relevant um, and uh, much of it is up to date. Um, members will be aware that the local plan process is iterative and it doesn't just stop and start and it's an ongoing process. Um, we always have to be looking to update the evidence base um, regardless of the, the period we're in in terms of the local plan cycle. What we've done, though, in terms of uh, the table on, on page 14 is, is list the, the dates. Obviously, it's important uh, to keep things up to date and to have um, uh, an up-to-date uh, range of evidence uh, when we get to an examination. So we've noted here um, the, the likely timescale for updating the document. So, for example, the first one, Greenbelt Review, was uh, completed in 2011, and we know we need to update that this year um, to take into account any changes and just to up, you know, for, so the council can review its position in terms of uh, doing carrying out a Greenbelt Review. And similarly, um, a number of other studies that need to be updated. There are some studies for example, the Greenbelt Review, which will be carried out in-house, and therefore I've not put a specific 
um, price against it. Obviously, there is a cost because there's officer time, etc., associated with it. But the costs there are associated with carrying out external um, cons uh, work. So external consultants carrying out the work. So retail needs study. Retail is a, a specialist element uh, in planning, and we've used um, Savills for uh, um, a while carrying out um, our review of um, our retail needs. So. I'm not saying they would do it again, but we'd need to update um, the, the evidence base to take into account changing, just listen to, to Tesco's and the change they want to do nationally, um, need to take into account changing uh, time, um, and also um, retail and other provision is based on housing numbers. So if the housing numbers change, obviously the retail demand changes, so we need to keep these things up to date. So it's really to, to bring this to you so that you're aware of the level of work we have to do, the expected costs, these are only expected costs, we'd have to go out to, certainly in some instances, the market and run a full tender exercise, certainly you know, the, the, the larger ones would have to do that. Um, but it, it's useful to bring this to you so that you have an idea of what's going on. Happy to take any questions. Thank you, Mr Taylor. Are there any questions from colleagues? This is a list of the uh, statutory evidence that needs to be taken, as Mr Taylor has indicated, uh, under uh, about 12, 15 headings. Uh, and obviously, as we continue to develop the local plan, so every study has to be kept up to date. Um, I think uh, we understand the process. So we have noted the report, Mr Taylor. Thank you. Moving on to item five. Um, the Gypsy and Traveller Issues and Options Consultation Response and Officer Recommendations. Uh, I have six speakers who wish to talk under this item. Councillor Menel, uh, Steve Coltman, Robin Cody, Joan Morgan, Philip Kratz and Will Nichols. You are, uh, I, I think that's, we said uh, five times three minutes in our um, process. Um, uh, but obviously Councillor Menel as a, as a councillor is in addition to that so we are full anyway so uh, hopefully that will, there will be enough speakers to cover the span of things you wish to say. Um, I do remind you of the recommendation uh, that the report is for noting prior to members site visits so we're not going to be making any decisions this evening. Um, but. Uh, I welcome Councillor Menel. We have actually other councillors here, Ranger Cant and Redfern, as well as nearly 90 members of the public um, for those listening at home. So uh, I call upon Councillor Menel and then after that uh, Mr Coltman. Thank you, Chairman. I find myself once more having to represent a community that do not feel either involved or heeded, a poor reflection on the consultation method that we have adop adopted. 604 plus residents that responded to the recent consultation feel that this council rejects their views and is only concerned with a process that fails to engage with them, their representatives, or the evidence that has been submitted, both photographic in the case of flooding and written in the case of professional advice. The Council's officers did appear to listen to the applicants' comments that the flooding depicted occurred in the wettest year on record. 
Where are our officers' comments on the impact of climate change? The Environment Agency states that any purpose would need to, any proposal would need to consider the safety of people, including the provision and adequacy, adequacy of an emergency plan, temporary refuge, and rescue evacuation arrangements. So presumably, a boatyard and helicopter pad would be essential in this scenario. The protected lane and open countryside have no value, apparently, and I have to ask, where is the lane, what is the lane protected from then? Five pitches will form a discrete arrangement in the corner of this five-acre field, we are informed, with no containment. If the site develops, Atlasford District Council will take out normal enforcement proceedings, an admission by our own officers, I submit, that this is a possibility. The genie will be out of the bottle. The current application for 12 houses at the other end of the village has been deemed quite unsustainable by our officers, so why do we suggest that travelling families can exist in an unsustainable environment, but the settled community cannot? On all the evidence in front of you now, I would like to suggest that the officers withdraw their recommendation for five pitches or any pitches on the grounds of unsustainability, despite the exciting recent discovery of a bus stop. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Councillor Manel. Uh, I call upon Mr. Coltman. I know it's incredibly tempting to uh, applaud and cheer and all the rest of it, but if you could keep as quiet as possible, that would be helpful. We are listening. Good evening. Um, I represent Arxton Parish Council and the residents of Arxton, many of whom are present this evening. There were over 600 responses to the consultation referring to the site at Five Acres. But all of the major concerns, i.e. sustainability, flooding and safety, seem to have been discarded by the planning officers in favour of the previously discredited Brett report. The overwhelming feeling of residents <clears throat> is that no matter how much evidence of unsuitability is provided, including detailed expert reports and photographic evidence, the planning officers seem determined to bring this site into the next phase of consultation. The officers have declared that sites for travellers in Uttlesford District will, by the nature of the district, be rural and therefore have limited access to services. However, the planning policy for traveller sites, which is frequently referred to by the officers, states the overarching aim of the policy is to ensure fair and equal treatment for travellers. This government policy goes on to say, and I quote, Local planning authorities should ensure that traveller sites are sustainable economically, socially and environmentally. It does not say that just because sites are in rural areas that concerns over sustainability can be put aside and that any site will do, which seems to be the attitude of the planning officers. We understand your concerns that if provision is not made for traveller sites, then it is more difficult to prevent unauthorised encampments. 
but it is the duty of the District Council to find sites that are sustainable and that will provide the travelling community with proper access to services and employment. The Council must not bring sites forward that are substandard and which will eventually be refused at the planning application process. At this very moment in Arxton, we have a live planning application for some new housing, which a senior planning officer from Uttlesford District Council has stated, Arxton is a small village with very few services and this development would constitute unsustainable development. Further, this is consistent with the approach taken by planning inspectors on appeals. Even single plots within villages similar to Arxton Appeals have been rejected and permission not granted due to fundamental issues over sustainability. For the working group to continue with this site, where all of the facts point to a completely unsustainable development, seems complete madness and would only lead to disaster with the local plan being rejected again. This totally unsuitable site should be withdrawn now. Thank you. Cody. Thank you. Um, question 12 of the consultation <clears throat> asked um, members of the public to come forward with their evidence to justify their views on sustainability and suitability. It was the key question and site specific within the consultation. Your officers in their report have tacitly accepted that Five Acres fails the majority of Uttlesford's own sustainability criteria yet they have brushed to, brushed to one side, ignored over 600 residents and effectively thrown question 12 of the consultation straight in the bin. I'm only going to concentrate on the flooding this evening. Um, officers quote from the Brett report that it is only the access to five acres which lies within flood zone 3. The same report is categoric that if a site is within flood zone 3 that it is not suitable for the gypsy and traveller community and should be rejected. Even the site owner accepts that the flight, the tight um, at five acres floods, but claims that the photographic evidence is a one-off event, um, a worst-case scenario, a point that your officers don't even acknowledge in their comments. Your officers also seem to be ignoring Anglia Water, who flagged the site as red for surface network water capacity, and Uttlesford's own strategic environmental assessment report, which states that the site does lie within flood zones 2 and 3. Uttlesford's own flood risk assessment states that development within flood zone 3 would not be permitted for even essential infrastructure, let alone for caravans, which are regarded as highly vulnerable. Officers have also ignored the Environment Agency surface water flood maps and Ardent Consulting's report, which states that the site could flood up to 900 millimetres in depth, so almost a metre in depth in places. But it's all very well relying on maps and plans and desktop analysis, but it is the photographic evidence that has been provided which is unequivocal and proved that Five Acres floods extensively, that it floods regularly, and that it floods many metres into the site. By our conservative estimates, we believe up to 30% of the site area floods. Arxton and Wiccan have a history of flooding, but it is actually five acres which floods well before the villages. In February 2014, the flooding was so bad in Arxton that no one could even access five acres. 
yet it is in the lower southeast corner of this site where the Brett report recommends locating a discrete development of pitches without causing significant adverse landscape or visual effects. Does the gypsy and traveller community really deserve to be located in such an unsuitable and unsustainable location? Brett also recommend that any proposal would need to be accompanied, as Jan Mennell has said, with an emergency plan for temporary refuge and rescue or evacuation arrangements. Is this truly a sustainable objective for Uttlesford? Now your officers are recommending reverting to the site owner for additional assessments relating to the flooding and sewage disposal. We would say there is no way that five acres could ever be mitigated against flooding. It is clear that the only box this site ticks is one of availability and your officers seem desperate to retain the site that fails most of the suitability and sustainability tests. What about all the sites that you've rejected on the grounds of suitability and sustainability, some of which were rejected for visual and landscaping as well as sustainability reasons? This is fantasy planning where the goalposts are shifting it's bad process, undemocratic, and it's open to challenge. You now have all the evidence that you need, and I would ask members to listen to your constituents, overall your officers' recommendations, and remove five acres from the process once and for all. Thank you. Joan Morgan. You probably heard the buzzer go off. That was the three minutes, so if you could uh, aim for three, that would be great. Um, well, I'll tell you, I've timed it with my cooker timer, and I <laughs> okay. do come within the three minutes. <clears throat> my name is Joan Morgan. I'm chair of Wickham Bonhunt Parish, one of only two parish meetings in Uttlesford, as we are a very small community. So small indeed that our parish key points weren't even acknowledged in the officer's report about question 12 relating to five acres. As recently as January 2014, the delegated planning officer reported that planning for seven dwellings proposed in Wickham Bonhunt should be refused because, and I quote, additional built form in the countryside would be detrimental to the open and rural character of the surrounding countryside. The development does not need to take place as it is not appropriate to the rural area and no material considerations would outweigh the harm of such a development in this unsustainable location. Contrary to NPP Framework 2012 and Uttlesford's original local plan. This quote was for seven dwellings that could have potentially increased Wiccan's population by 28 people. You are proposing a gypsy traveller site originally for 12 pitches which could potentially have increased our population by nearly 100 people in an area where you all know there's no school, no shop, no doctors, no street lights, no reliable public transport. You have heard it all before. Similarly, the proposal is in an area which is classified as flood risk, and I don't care what number you choose, it should be deemed unsound. Two properties were recently so severely damaged by flood water in Wiccan that one has been evacuated for over eight months. And it is a known fact that several properties cannot get house insurance because of Wiccan water. The officer's report states, in all sites, the impact on local services can be managed effectively. My first question to you all is, what services would that be in Wiccan Bonhunt? The officer's report also states, 
Normal enforcement would apply if there was unauthorised increase of use on the sites. My second question is, would that be along the lines of normal enforcement that's been applied to the Stansted sites? Having ignored all the criteria submitted by over 600 people, particularly in relation to the flood, the damage to the protected lanes, potential danger to young children on the site from the 60 mile per hour access road, the only recommendation the officer has made in relation to the suitability of this site is to ask the landowner to sort out sewage and drainage. What about the concerns of the settled community? Where's Uttlesford's responsibility in safeguarding our community? Take five acres out of the equation now. Mr. Kratz. I don't have. Uh, uh, I've got Head Arkton Parish Council, Wickham Bonham Parish Council uh, set against the other names. I don't have any qualification against your name. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you for the opportunity to address the uh, policy working group. Uh, my name is Philip Kratz. I'm a planning lawyer. Uh, I have been instructed by Arkton Parish Council and the other interests uh, as part of their bank of professional advisors to put what they want to say into a policy context. Um, to put myself in context, uh, I'm a planning lawyer by trade, I'm a current member of the Law Society's planning uh, working group uh, and I'm also a former local authority chief officer in the eastern region as well. Well acquainted with um, gypsy and traveller issues. Last week um, I was acting for South Cambridgeshire District Council at a planning appeal at Smithy Fen. The name may be familiar to some. Um, yep. I have in fact advised on Smithy Fen both the district and parish council uh, since 1995, I checked this morning. Um, originally, of course, it was an authorised site for five pitches, um, and at the time of the heightened excitement in 2004, there two, were 200 um, caravans on the site. Um, what I want to do is just to... Uh, I'll ask Mr Taylor, because that was, you've just answered my question, so yeah. <laughs> we'll start your three minutes now. Sorry. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll have about a minute left. I won't take advantage of that. Um, I, I want to put in context, just in case uh, the working group and indeed the council is ever advised, um, that in fact they have no alternative. They have to make this provision as part of their local plan process. Um, this is often trotted out. I've heard it said many times, and I really just want to put that in context. Um, obviously, there is something of an evidence base uh, for the council to make its decisions on gypsies and travellers. I personally am not happy with the, the quality of that um, evidence base. I think, if anything, it overstates the need in the case of Uttlesford. But what is beyond doubt is that the Uttlesford need, even as calculated through that process, is a very low one. And I am aware, partly through uh, my work on the Law Society's Planning Law Committee, um, but also advising other authorities, of others in similar situations in the Cotswolds, in the North East, where there are similar low numbers and they've made the quite daring decision not to allocate sites. And I really need to put that in a context as well. Um, the little portcullis means this is the House of Commons. It's the, the briefing note from government lawyers to Parliament. And it's a briefing note on gypsies and travellers planning provisions. It's not an authoritative statement of the law, but it's intended to be helpful guidance for the real decision makers. And that is absolutely unequivocal. It states what the law is, 
um, the law is um, that there is no law requiring a local plan to make provision for gypsy and traveller sites. There is some policy guidance suggesting that they should, and there is also always, of course, the risk that an inspector may find a site, um, sorry, a local plan unsound. However, that really does have to be seen in the context of the emerging national planning policy guidance. And um, I was at a meeting with uh, DCLG and the uh, government's chief planner, Steve Quartermain, within the last month, when it was made abundantly plain that the outcome of the consultation last calendar year on planning and travellers is that the two major policy um, changes uh, heralded in that are going to be implemented before the election. That will change the definition of travellers, in which case you won't even need a new battery to work out in your pocket calculator that the need in the district will all but disappear because you'll only be looking for sites for those who continue to travel, transit sites, not permanent uh, resident accommodation. And the other bit of policy, which means that those with retrospective planning uh, applications can find that weighing against them when it comes to being determined. But in that context, and I think this is one of the few times I've ever said this to a, a council, really it would be so unwise to grasp this nettle now. Within a matter of weeks, it is highly likely that the whole planning policy context will change. And even if you thought that you had to make site-specific allocations, and you don't, you will almost certainly be relieved of that obligation and not have to make any site-specific um, allocations whatsoever. Having said that, I've heard everything that's been said about the Arxton site. From where I'm sitting, it has nothing going for it at all. Thank you, Mr Chair. You can be quite rest assured that we would not make any decision until that further guidance had come out. It might materially affect the whole situation, so it would be folly to do so. So on that point, we absolutely agree with you, but thanks for making it. Um, Will Nichols, uh, who I believe is representative from Strutton Parker. Good evening. Uh, my name is Will Nichols. I'm a chartered town planner at Strutton Parker, and we were commissioned by Five Acres Local Community Action to review the Council's consultation document and consider specifically the Five Acres site. I have considerable experience of planning for gypsies and travellers, having worked closely with the community in the identification of sites in other parts of the country. Consequently, I'm fully aware of the prejudice and discrimination that this community frequently experiences. I firmly believe that it is vital that the planning system works effectively to identify appropriate sites to enable the gypsy and traveller community to continue its traditional way of life. I'm particularly conscious of the guidance set out in the current government document, Planning for Traveller Sites, which states that the government's overarching aim is to ensure fair and equitable treatment for travellers in a way that facilitates the traditional and nomadic way of life of travellers while respecting the interests of the settled community. It really is important that local planning authorities take their commitments to both the gypsy and traveller community and the settled community very seriously indeed. This means ensuring that, in common with identifying residential sites for the settled community, gypsy and traveller sites are also sustainable in economic, social and environmental terms. Strutton Parker prepared comprehensive representations recently, which established that the site was totally unsuitable for gypsies and travellers on the basis that it is 
completely inconsistent with government policy, suffers from severe flooding, is unsuitable in transport and access terms given its isolated location and has no pedestrian access and furthermore is on a protected lane. Paragraph 11 of Planning for Traveller Sites states that gypsy sites should be located in areas that have good access to health services, schools and employment opportunities and to avoid locating sites in areas at high risk of flooding. To accept this very unsustainable site that does suffer from severe flooding, has very poor access to, shop, to schools, has poor access to health services, public transport and other infrastructure, would represent a dereliction of duty to the gypsy and traveller community, as well as placing an unnecessary and potentially dangerous risk to future occupiers of the site, given the particular vulnerability of trailers and mobile homes. It would also cause significant problems for the emergency services trying to access the site. It is important that the Council act swiftly to exclude the site from further consideration. Falca has concerns that the officer's report does not fully address the submitted representations and it, it places the onus on the landowner to assess whether or not the site is suitable. The Council should undertake its own assessment of sites of suitability and eliminate the site immediately. If the Council is unable to identify sufficient gypsy sites in appropriate locations, it should consider broad locations for growth as advocated by government policy. Falca believes that, it, that to continue to consider this site as having potential for gypsies and travellers would be wrong, since it does not accord with the Government's aim of ensuring fair and equal treatment for travellers. Given that the Council is now proposing to consider gypsy and travellers within a comprehensive local plan, there is an excellent opportunity to plan proactively for the gypsy community, but it is vital that sites that are wholly inappropriate, such as this, are excluded for, from further consideration. The gypsy and traveller community and the settled community deserve much better than this. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Right, thank you to all of those speakers, and rest assured we have listened very carefully, as indeed we uh, took very careful note of all the representations. Um, the suggestion that these are not considered carefully is not, is, is not correct. I will now ask... Um, Mr. Taylor, to talk to the whole paper actually, but obviously um, there will be particular reference to this site as well. Thank you, Chairman. Um, to start off with, um, there's an updated paper of Messrs. County Council which is um, on, your, on your desks, just for information. Um, this is the report of representations of the recent Gypsy and Traveller Issues and Options Consultation, and you'll see um, on the top of page 18. The, um, the various re review of, of the, the consultation. The consultation uh, closed on the 2nd of February and as always we then produce uh, a report of representations with officer comments and recommendations and Chairman as you noted yourself this report is for noting um, prior to site visits looking at the various sites. Throughout the consultation um, 689 Different people made comments, um, which are all logged um, within the system now. Um, two additional sites have been proposed to the Council, um, which weren't brought forward earlier, um, although in one case it's a suggestion of moving a site from one end of the road to the other, but the other one is a, is a completely new site. One site has been withdrawn by the landowners, obviously therefore can't go forward in, in the process. So, I, as you said, um, I will take you um, briefly through the report of representations. Um, as the, the decision or the, the discussion at this working group last time and the decision by Cabinet, 
the LDS has now changed in terms of the timescales, so we've um, consolidated the Gypsy and Traveller um, local plan within the main local plan. As a result of that, um, as I think one of the speakers or some of the speakers said, um, some of those discussions will continue in that vein. Um, We've responded or gone through and reported on each uh, question as they came up through and looked at the officer comments and, re and recommendations as part of it. So many of these, uh, many of the, the questions and comments are actually be picked up again through the local plan um, as we review because, for example, there won't be separate visions and objectives for gypsies and travellers. There will be one vision objective in terms of the whole local plan and then that, well, that feeds through. So in terms of um, question one, and question two and question three on the first few pages all those points are noted and they'll be picked up as part of the, the draft local plan and the issues and options consultation on that as we prepare that going forward um, later on this year um, on uh, so in, interesting points in relation to uh, question four in relation to the need and I think it's worth picking up what Mr um, Kratz said recently, um, sorry, in the public speaking, which is perfectly correct in terms of the government have had a consultation on changing the definition of gypsies and travellers, and I believe we discussed that um, at a previous working group. Um, and obviously that would have an impact, or potentially would have an impact, on the overall numbers that are needing to be delivered. That's not the situation we're in at the moment, um, and I too was with Chief Planner a couple of weeks ago, um, discussing similar sorts of things and you know, all sorts of hints dropping and that sort of thing, you know, coming up in terms of timescale, and we need to wait and see. If government guidance changes in relation to numbers, it's a situation of having to review the evidence base in terms of need. That'll be done on an SXY basis, probably, as we did before, looking at that overall need, and that will have an impact on the numbers. Until we know the context of that definition and context of, of that, that work, we don't know. Um, we can't do any, any further work in terms of that. But that doesn't alter, and this question was raised before we started the consultation, this doesn't alter the point about moving forward with this um, process and consulting on the sites we have, because regardless of the number, we may well have to find some sites, and therefore looking at what we've been submitted to us, it's important to take that out to, to consultation. So in terms of um, question, question five, a number of comments there. Um, I would draw members' attention to um, comments uh, made in terms of, sorry, this is to do with meeting our, our needs within our own boundary. And you'll see um, that while there's, there's people saying for and against, there's also um, lines in the sand or, or notes being put down by other district councils saying, we might not be able to fulfil our own needs and therefore you may need to take on um, needs from surrounding areas. So as part of the duty to cooperate, again, we will need to have those discussions. That's not saying that that's a definite, but we have to be aware of these situations. Um, and obviously, councils are making us aware of that fact. Um, and as I think was said, we do have a very, under the current evidence base, we do have a relatively, I was going to say very low number, it's all relative, um, and compared to lots of other um, Essex councils are much higher, two, three hundred pitches needed as opposed to the 26 we have. Um, so uh, obviously some councils um, will be looking for a helping hand. Um, 
a number of comments in relation to, to the methodology used in terms of um, <coughs> sites and the assessment of them. Obviously specific comments both from the people that have spoken here today and also um, other groups set out on page 27 and 28. Um, I think the, the issue um, we have obviously as, a, as officers and a council is we need to look at a whole range of different issues before we go out to, to consultation and those include things like uh, access to the site, flood zone and, and such as that. So that has been looked at appropriately um, taking into account um, the advice planning policy for traveller sites, national planning policy framework as well as other um, documents for example designing sites for gypsies and travellers. So a whole range of, of reference documents, policy guidance or otherwise been used to assess or, or look at the assessment criteria of sites. And then I think we move on to um, where, where we do start to make more detailed recommendations um, are question 7 on page 29. And this is looking at the um, size of sites that we uh, take forward. Um, again, we're not looking at a, for a decision at the moment, but this is where we do make recommendations based on the consultation. You remember that we looked at a range of sites, up to 5, 5 to 16, sorry, 6 to, six to 15 pitches and then 15 and over um, as part of the consultation. A number of comments back, some talking about uh, smaller sites, larger sites, some talking about it should be a... Um, that's only because I'm seeing it, but Chelmsford, as an example, is a, is a flexible approach. You shouldn't have a, a hard and fast rule of these sort of things. Um, however, we, we note all the comments that have, that have been made um, and are, are suggesting that we should have a we should take forward as part of the, the, the allocations and the document that a policy of a maximum of five pitches on sites in rural areas um, and a maximum of 15 pitches elsewhere as part of, part of our, our allocation strategy. Um, we then move on to, to question eight, which looks at how we should give priority to choosing sites. Um, and a, again, a, a wide range of, of comments here. Um, perhaps as, as one might expect, um, if I pick out Essex County Council and I, I pick it up in their comments, they are looking at um, having uh, settlements um, close together so that it avoids travel time, for example, for, for schools. They don't have buses and things like that, so they want everything in one place, um, which uh, is, is against other, other comments made in terms of um, people should be dispersed or should be um, within similar areas where, where sites are located at the moment. Comments from English Heritage regarding historic sensitivity should also be taken into account. So I think the issue, um, certainly for our district, is there's a, we have a whole, we have a range of sites put forward. We have a very disparate um, district in terms of, of, of sites that are available and the distance to and from places like primary and secondary schools. This is something that we need to consider very carefully um, as we as we move forward um, in terms of the allocations. Um, we have obviously have a range that we can consider when we're on site and bring back to a future meeting. The next question is very similar or leads off the last one, which is looking at which facilities are important and should be close to, to identifying sites. Um, Again, we, we recognise that there's a desire to have access to services 
um, but with our dispersed settlement pattern it's not always possible, as members will be aware, to have all the range of services very close to, to, to sites. And you have that balance between having sites very close to uh, a large range of existing facilities or um, and next to you know, a large number of settled community or, or the opposite. And there's that balance and that's what members will need to take into account. Um, the the, the next, next couple look at how we should take things forward, whether we should, uh, sorry, question 10 and 11, whether we should just be focusing on the first five years and then, as one person mentioned, looking at broad locations um, for growth across the district or whether we should be allocating um, all the pitches um, now. Um, we've obviously got, uh, again, a, a range um, quite evenly balanced in terms of whether we should be identifying everything now, whether we should go for broad locations for growth. Um, I hear what Mr Kratz, say, Kratz says, but um, I'm, I'm not convinced, ba based on previous local plan inspectors' comments, that if we fail to actually provide um, sites, agencies and travellers that our local plan examination will be successful. Um, I, I fail to be convinced on that argument and I, I think it is important that we do need to and it's an integral part of planning for our community going forward. Um, in terms of question 11, um, we do uh, look at um, the range of different uh, suggestions here in terms of whether we should be looking at e existing pitches or, or identifying new sites. Um, we have looking at um, picking up the point about unauthorised sites it's certainly not the situation where there's an automatic um, permission to be granted on unauthorised sites um, so that, that's, that's certainly the situation and um, even, even sites where they've come forward where we've had a where we've had a need as we do now um, in terms of a five year supply we have uh, refused and defended at appeal so that's certainly not the situation and then I think we come on to question 12, which is um, the, the meteor uh, of, the, of the questions, which looks at the sites considered suitable um, through the, the previous uh, consultant's report and ask people for their comments on those sites. <coughs> Again, we're not um, making um, any um, specific uh, recommendation on, um, on these in terms of making a decision tonight but we do conclude various issues in relation to, to the sites. Obviously, some of them um, relate to, to previous questions as well. For example, the size of, of site. Um, some have been put forward for large numbers of pitches, but if we, if we accept answers earlier on, for example, not having pitch and sites of more than five pitches, then obviously that has an impact on, on those sites taken going forward. Um, we, so the first one on page 36 and 37 is in relation to uh, Tandons um, in Great Canfield. Uh, and I believe we now have a live application on, on this site um, for the, the additional two, two pitches. Um, so yes, yeah, so just commenting on that, um, two district councillors on this working group on planning committee, if it does come before you, you will have to... Um, not comment on this particular site tonight. Um, just in, oh, three, sorry, I beg your pardon, three councillors. So um, not be able to comment on, on relation to that um, to take part in that planning decision. 
Um, it is obviously an existing traveller site and the proposal is that there are additional pitches within the existing site. Um, we conclude that the site is available, deliverable um, and suitable and there's no reason why it shouldn't be taken forward to the next part of the process. Similarly with um, Star Green in Radwinter End, it's an existing, um, existing site with one pitch and they're proposing two additional pitches within as part of the, the existing site. Um, quite a few um, officer comments in relation to the representations received, um, but we conclude on page 40 that the site is available, suitable and deliverable and should also be taken forward. The yard at Bartholomew Green, <coughs> excuse me, um, some members of the planning committee may remember we actually visited this site. Um, we had a planning application uh, before it had been set up. Um, so we actually visited the site and had a look at it. It's now in existence with one, one pitch on that site. Um, and the proposal on this one is, is for two additional pitches um, as part of that same site. Um, and uh, again, on this one, we... we recommend or consider that the, the site is available, suitable and deliverable. In relation to five acres at Arxton, where we've heard a number of comments um, tonight, the site's been put forward for an additional 12 pitches. There aren't any uh, existing pitches at the site at the moment. Um, this is this would obviously be caught, remember like one of the comments on the previous questions about limiting numbers, so if this was taken forward and we did go with a, a limit of five pitches, obviously that would alter the, um, number, the total number of pitches that, that we would um, allocate on the site. On this one, um, we haven't concluded that the site is, is um, available, suitable or deliverable um, because uh, there's a number of issues raised as part of the consultation. Um, Obviously, we have responses from the statutory bodies in terms of Essex County Council, um, Environment Agency, both throughout this consultation, but also previously as part of the previous assessment. Um, they raised um, various issues, and obviously, um, members of the public who've spoken tonight um, and the representation we've received have raised a whole range of, of other um, questions. So, as a result, um, we do we can't conclude at the moment that it meets those tests um, and we do consider that um, further assessment is needed. You've got a, um, an issue between the statutory consultees saying one thing and uh, local people saying something different and obviously that needs to be investigated in, in more, more detail. So, for example, on, on some of the issues, the sewage disposal um, is an issue. Normally, you might be able to have a, a plant associated with, with the site. Um, however, with um, flooding issues, that might be affected, obviously, with, with ground groundwater. Um, so those sort of things need to be looked at in more detail. So before we can take it, it forward, that needs to be looked at. <coughs> but it's appropriate to do that before it is discounted, if that's the eventual outcome, um, from the process. And then... Um, you remember I said that there was one site that had been withdrawn as part of the process um, by the owners and this is the last one um, at Taylor's Farm in Takeley. That was withdrawn um, so it can't be taken further forward as part of this process. Then we, we move on to the last few questions. Um, question 13 on page 49 deals with um, existing sites in the Greenbelt. Um, we have uh, one site in Little Hallingbury, which is an existing five pitches, 
um, proposing six additional pitches and we conclude um, here that um, well, one if we did have a, a rule if we were to adopt that of no more than five pitches it's got five existing so we shouldn't add a further six um, leaving aside the fact that it's in the green belt um, and there's various protection there um, but also when I visited the site I thought I wasn't convinced that you could fit an additional six pitches on um, and have a, a suitable um, acceptable layout um, so we're not proposing to, um, to take that forward for further consideration um, question 14 um, asks for any evidence or information on sites um, for gypsum traveller provision um, uh, about uh, any of the other sites put forward um, but we don't nothing has been put forward has changed our view that any of the rejected sites should be carried forward um, so we're not proposing any changes in relation to that um, question 15 says if we can't find suitable sites um, to meet local need what should we do um, whether we should consider sites in the green belt consider other sites or um, consider previously rejected sites um, obviously at the moment when we haven't gone out and assessed the sites in more detail we don't know whether we're in that situation um, we note the comments that are, that are made um, in both in terms of being certain about allocation but also in terms of the fact that perhaps all options should be considered and what some sites might be better than others when you, when you go back through that sieving process and if we needed to do that we'd obviously have to go back through that process and look at those sites and the last, <coughs> excuse me, the last question, um, last question um, related to uh, are there any other sites available? And two other sites came forward. Um, one in Henham, which was um, put forward, and um, one which, which is a, a current or X, but it has consent for a builder's yard. Um, so it's already got hard standing fences etc around it um, so that's, that would be a new one and then uh, a suggestion to move an existing pitch in Stansted from one location where it's been the last 20-30 years to, to another location further down the same road so those two suggestions um, what we need to do um, is, is have those sites assessed um, because obviously they came up as part of the consultation so for example highways authority haven't looked at those in detail or they haven't been assessed so we need to carry out that assessment um, and if those assessments prove ac um, acceptable um, we'd need to uh, visit those as well as part of our, our process and the last um, last question which didn't ask a question said have you got any other comments um, raise a, a number of other um, points um, which which we, we, we note um, within the report. Um, and finally, on page uh, 56 and 57, members have asked um, for an update in terms of um, the investigation at uh, Stansted. Um, there are three existing sites um, in Stansted, um, I think all with um, 10 pitches on, but... Um, uh, and now we've carried out our consultation um, we uh, sorry our uh, enforcement investigation and concluding that um, we now have the information so the first one there um, it's not been occupied by gypsies and travellers for the past 28 years 
um, a very very long period obviously so any enforcement action is, is time barred um, uh, enforcement action over a condition is, is four years or use of a land is ten years so it was a very long long time ago when, when that uh, any enforcement action could have happened uh, the investigations on the next one indicate that um, it is being used in accordance with the permission um, and in the last one again it's being used in accordance with the permission but there are three vacant pitches on the site so we could use the three vacant pitches to go against the, the need that we have um, so actually um, two out of, of three are being used in accordance with the consent and one hasn't been used for, for a very long time and obviously what we need to do that now is, is take that into account moving forward to the local plan so we have three vacant pitches which we can use as part of or not having to allocate more pitches because there are some that exist. Chairman, so, that's my... Thank you very much indeed, Mr Taylor. That's very comprehensive. Um, members, does anybody wish to raise a comment or ask questions? Councillor Harris... Um, just one question. Um, whilst recognising that it doesn't help with the numbers overall, um, if we're looking at an allocation strategy of a maximum of 15 pitches, um, I'm wondering if there is an opportunity for us to do something with the 020 site, which is the one at Felsted, which currently has 17 pitches, not 27, thankfully, as was um, reported in the consultation document. That was a mistake. Um, but 17, which is um, over what we're proposing and is causing some considerable issues in terms of management at the moment I mean this would be some uh, I, I don't think we can alter that uh, unless um, the, the landowner agrees obviously there's an extant permission that's been implemented obviously this would be looking at allocations moving forward um, it wouldn't even have an impact directly on the development management process in terms of you know assessing an application coming forward but in terms of the allocations this, this that would potentially be be the way forward I mean I'm, I'm aware of the issues on, on the site in, in your ward but this wouldn't directly have an impact on that it would be a question of having a discussion with the Essex County Council as, as landowners and saying actually we, don't, we want to reduce the numbers and, but that would actually mean we'd have to find more pitches elsewhere so swings and roundabouts swings and roundabouts for everything yeah, yeah. Councillor Oliver Thank you Chairman <coughs> First of all, I'd like to draw attention to a point that was actually partially covered by the chairman of the Wick and Bonnet Parish meeting, and that <coughs> regarding the question of flooding and insurance. Now, there's a major problem of the proposed site of five acres concerns the geographical position. Although within the parish of Arxton, it conjoins the village of Wick and Bonnet at the western end next to Wick and Water, which then flows through the rest of the village. The population of the site should be thought of, of as an additional population to the settled community, and as, as Mrs. Morgan said, increasing it by at least between 20 and 50, depending on how many pitches. Like five acres, most of Wickham Bonnet lies on the valley, in the valley along the banks of the river, and as much of it is in environmental agency floodplain level three. Recent flooding at the least two houses, as Joan Morgan says, centuries old had to be evacuated and much expensive damage was caused to both. Some of the village postcodes will not now be accepted by major insurers for cover. So you can't get cover now in Wickham Bond in certain areas. In addition therefore, 
to the unquestionable risks to the safety and well-being of any travellers at Five Acres is reasonable for the residents of Wick and Bonnet to ex- expect us to have a care for their interests. It's astonishing that no mention is made of the effects of the lives in the officer's report of representation. The Peter Brett report, given the delicate geographical position of the site at the upstream end of the village, is so woefully inadequate as not to merit credibility. There are obvious dangers it would have been easy and prudent for them to investigate. It would have been an easy matter for Peter Brett's people to calculate the area of square metres of the laying down of the necessary roadways, turning areas of hard standing for vehicles, equipment and caravans of amenity blocks and areas. The environmental agency could then have advised on the suitability of such a site at the upstream end of the village already exposed to flooding such as the insurance is well nigh impossible to obtain. We really must bear this in mind more re- we must bear in mind more realistically the dangers to the settled community and, to, and of the precedence of any development we cre- created for further planning applications upstream. We really are giving preference to the travellers and the gypsies against the settled community. But first of all, I must say I am pleased to note that there has been some movement in that the paper now accepts that gypsy traveller sites are to be limited to five pitches maximum for the site in rural areas. Although I have my doubts these will be properly enforced on sites large enough to take more pitches than five, such as the five-acre site, as I note that the normal enforcement procedures will be carried out. This frankly does not give me a lot of confidence in view of the past performance of the enforcement procedures as Mr. Taylor's mentions on pages 56 and 57. I happen to live nearer this site as the crow flies than most of those who have commented and have done so for the last 26 years. Now before dealing with the reasons why this site should not be included at all, as someone said to me the other day, there is nowhere less suitable. I'd like to comment on the Peter Brett report and its relationship with the landowner who lives in North Norfolk. It's stated in the report that the site has, has been previously been used as a residence and her brother lived on the site for some 10-15 years without moving. I'm informed that this is misleading to say the least. The site was originally 10 acres, well there's a split and 10 acres apart, and it is in that 10 acres where the which was occupied and is still occupied by George Draper who has lived there for a long time and I believe my, counsel, my colleague Joan Menno has delivered babies there it's in fact there was a short occupancy in 1993 where the UDC did take action and the enforcement to move off from the northeast section of the site not the southeast as Brett thinks would be nice because it floods the, the, the reason given for the enforcement where it created unsuitable development in an area which is outside the village development areas lim- limits in an area of special landscape value and adjoining a projecting lane. Nothing has changed. And it is, it was, if it was wrong then, it is wrong now. And there have been no serious planning applications since 84. It would appear that Peter Brett took the landowner's words as fact without checking with the settled community. I'm glad to hear Mr. Taylor saying he was going to check with the settled community some of the allegations made, or assertions made. The landowner has since suggested 
There is room at Red Winter School, some 9.3 miles away. And there is an easy access out of the M11 for those commuting to work. <laughs> there is between Wick and Bonnet and Newport if you are prepared to break the law. <laughs> we really must take miss the landowner's assertions with a large pinch of salt. Can I remind you that policy HO 11.2 sites should not, should, not, should not be located in an area of risk of flooding, which clearly this is. It seems remarkable to me that we can happily assume that this is only level 3 in the gateway and the rest is flood level 1. What happened to flood level 2? <laughs> if you look at the pictures provided in Strutton Parker's very good report, and I think some other pictures have been put in front of us today, you will see the effect of flooding at the entrance and beyond. It really cannot be brushed aside as a once in a hundred years event. And it has been noted, even in Peter Brett's report, there are two potential sites dismissed because they are in flood, flood zone three. Why then is this one carried forward while the other two are not? In passing, policy HO11B states there should be safe pedestrian access and also safe vehicle access. From Arxton, there is a bridge with a weight limit on it. From Wick and Bonnet, there is a narrow lane with two very sharp bends. If you look on the aerial photograph on page 7 of Stratton Parker's report, you'll see there's bends. In fact, I deliver leaflets in this lane to houses especially in Clavering, and I take my life in my hands because the traffic coming around there is pretty heavy. <coughs> On page 47, there are certain questions concerning the determination of the suitability of the site. Is it 800 metres from a public transport? Well, it's now been found, as Councillor Mannell says, there is a bus stop within about 800, 900, but that is a very occasional bus at school times. Is it 800 metres from a GP surgery? No, it's 3.5 kilometres to Newport. 800 metres from a shopping area? No, that's 3.5 to Clavering. Is it in the area of highest deprivation? I would suggest not. Is it 800 metres from a primary school? No, it's 3.4 to Clavering. And what about the secondary school? Well, that is just on the limit in Newport. I think this indicates the lack of suitability of the site. And as I said at the start, this site... There is, no, there is nowhere less suitable than this site. Let, please let us abandon this site now. The good people of Oxton and Wick and Bonham have had this hanging over their heads for such considerable time now, and, we, and we've got to go out to find more sites anyway. So let us drop this one, because it is not going to run. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Oliver. Any other comments, questions? Mr. Howell. Councillor Howell, sorry. Thank you, Chairman. I, I have a, a, a number of questions, primarily prompted by some of the public speakers, and I'm quite interested in the comments a gentleman made about Cotswold District Council and a council somewhere in the northeast who've chosen not to identify specific sites as part of their local plan. And I'm interested to know what basis they've done this 
and what advice they've received and whether it's appropriate for us as an organisation to be following similar approach. I'm just intrigued by that. I'm also very surprised by the suggestion from neighbouring councils that under the duty to cooperate we might have an obligation to take their, council, their gypsy and traveller accommodation. I, I have a distinct memory from the Fordham report about six or seven years ago that on the basis of our gypsy and traveller population, we in fact had a very good um, provision on, on the basis of the population um, and that we, we had compared to the, to the, to the, to the population, uh, a significant percentage were on authorised sites and sites that were well established in the Fordham report gave us, I think, probably compared to almost any other council across Essex, um, a, a, a very good, which showed us that we had a very good um, basis. I've got to say that I find the, the report in page 56 and 57 almost the most depressing thing I've read in years. Tall trees, um, the, I recognise that this goes back many years and that we have failed to enforce um, a gypsy, designated gypsy and traveller site. But it is a cause of great concern to me that we have failed as an organisation to, to enforce something. I appreciate it that it goes back 28 years. I've been on this council for eight years, but, but it seems to me very, very wrong that we have adopted this approach. We have failed local residents, I believe, as a consequence. And I recognise that this is not the fault of any individual in this room. Something that happened 28 years ago is not, not necessarily the response. But, it, but as an organisation, it is a very, very serious failure, in, in my opinion. Um, I'm somewhat surprised by the self-certification uh, under Oakview uh, and, and Middleside, not because I disbelieve people, but I think it's almost the only area of life where I think that we still accept self-certification. We don't in housing benefit, in council tax benefits, in housing need. I, I couldn't even get a mortgage with a self-certified statement of my income. So to ask people, are you a gypsy and traveller, and to accept that without any other kind of evidence. I, 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 if you tell me that that's how it works, then I have to accept that's how it works. But nevertheless, I find that surprising, and I'm sure that many members of the public will find that surprising. I've also got to say that I find the photographs, um, and in particular photo one, the entrance to five acres, really quite concerning. And I, I would like to know whether this is a once in a hundred years event, or whether it is more common. <laughs> Particularly if it is this, it, we talk about it being the entrance, but if this is the point on the site where we are, it is proposed the gypsy and traveller pitches will be placed, then it would seem to me to be most unsuitable. And I'm, I'm, I would like some reassurance that, that this, I, I don't understand how people who live there can have a completely different view to the professional organisations. And I, I understand that you're going to investigate this and come back to us, but it seems to me strange that people who live there um, have a, such a difference of opinion as to how, how prone this site is for flooding. Um, 
that's me done. Um, but, but nevertheless, um, I, would, I would support the recommendation on question seven, which is that five pitches are a maximum. So, Mr. Taylor, there are seven or eight, five or six points there. I didn't expect you to take them all down. But, but I, I am intrigued and interested to know, in particular, the approach that Cotswold District Council have taken and how relevant it is for us. Mr. Taylor. Um, I hadn't heard about it until earlier, so uh, the short answer is I, I don't know. I mean, I, I commented earlier regarding um, my view of, of the need to allocate um, to take things forward, but obviously we can have a look at that and it, we can bring that back you know, when we bring the future paper back, can't we? Um, in terms of Stansted, you know, it's not self-certification. Um, it included a whole range of planning contravention notices, our, our legal documents, but it also included interviews um, and looking at um, other records that the council holds. So it's not just a, oh, they said that's all right. Um, as you say, I, I, I certainly can't comment on what happened 28 years ago, or at least 24 years ago. Um, but if nobody raised it with the council, it's one of those things, um, enforcement is a reactionary service. If nobody raised a concern, then that, that wouldn't have been picked up. And in terms of flooding, um, I think we, we recognise the, the issue, the, the situation between the, the Environment Agency and the professional comments we've received and the, the photographs and, and comments made. Um, and that's one of the other reasons why you know, we, we feel that that further information is required because there is a conflict, and I think I understand the conflict. There's a technical argument, and there might be a, a physical issue and runoff and things like that. But um, we've got to, you know, that's that's something. That's why we've made that comment on page 48 in terms of um, needing to do further information to be able to assess that properly. Thank you, Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I was very shocked by these pictures as well because I wouldn't want to live there. I wouldn't want my family to live and anything that flooded like that. But being on the planning committee, I do know that sometimes uh, developments are put in places that flood. But then we know that the developers have the money to put it right. So who would we expect to put a site like this right? Obviously, uh, travellers would not have the money to do it. So if it couldn't be put right, surely we couldn't expect them to live there. Well, that's the comment on, on page 48 under officer recommendation about the viability of the site. No, it would be for the developer. So, but they wouldn't have to be developers by Sorry, for the, the, for the tape, or the record as it were, the question was, well, there wouldn't be a developer um, if there were only five pitches. Um, that was Councillor Lachlan. Su supplementary question. Sorry, your mic wasn't on. Um, but I think the answer is yes, they would, because whoever is implementing that consent is effectively the developer. The developer in planning terms is the person who's putting a porch on to the developer of 900 houses. It's slightly it's irrelevant. It's, it's so the landowner or whoever takes forward a consent would be the developer. So the cost would be borne by that. But exactly your point is picked up because officers also have concerns if there is a large cost, if there is a large cost, that would be borne by the site. Is it therefore viable? Is it, is it realistic? So that's one of the questions in here, to say, well, we don't know all the mitigation required. That's got to be looked at, and therefore assess the cost of that, and therefore look at the viability, i.e. the value of the site, versus the, the potential cost of doing the work. So, yes, that's, that's exactly um, an important piece of information that we need before we can um, take it forward. 
Right, if there are no other comments, I'll try and summarise the situation. Um, let me remind uh, members of the committee and indeed um, uh, members of the public that the recommendation is that this report is for noting. So we're not making any decisions in or out tonight and we can't do that. Um, however, uh, you have heard some very material points this evening, uh, which is that um, Officers have listened very carefully um, to the points made, which is why they've gone back for clarification. They are challenged because the statutory bodies, the Environment Agency and the Highways have offered no objection, which makes it challenging for them. But that doesn't mean to say uh, that uh, that is uh, an exclusive um, conclusion. So officers have gone back for more information. We heard the very helpful point uh, that uh, the government is considering the definition of gypsies, and we wouldn't make any decision until we've had total clarity on that. I point one other uh, fact out to you, which is that as well as finding 26 pitches uh, within that, we've got to find nine pitches uh, within five years. And uh, as our local plan progresses, uh, that could be an option uh, to this committee. Um, we would not do anything without a site visit, uh, but I don't want uh, this group here to go away with any conclusions. As far as uh, the report today is concerned, is that uh, officers have, uh, unlike a number of the other uh, sites that you heard uh, Mr. Taylor go through, have not recommended this site. Uh, what they have done is to ask for more information. Um, however, we will visit both the sites that have been recommended and those the sites that haven't been recommended, and members of the planning committee will fully recognise that this is a normal course of practice um, and then eventually a decision will have to be made. As far as enforcement, I just want to, uh, we, we're not making a decision about five pitches tonight, but I think uh, we've heard some strong cases as to why that might be the case in rural locations. Um, as far as uh, enforcement is concerned, um, we, we can't put, the right, put right the wrongs of the past. Uh, but I, what I can reassure this room and those beyond is that I personally, as leader of the council, take enforcement very seriously. We've increased the enforcement team at Uttlesford, um, and uh, enforcement does now happen. Uh, as I say, that doesn't put right what may have been a wrong in the past, although, of course, it may not have been brought to the attention of the council. So um, I guess that's not quite what you wanted to hear tonight. You wanted us to rule it out. We're, we're not... Uh, in the, able to do that, uh, but I think you've also heard that we've listened most carefully to you, um, that uh, a lot of more qualification is required, uh, and there are a number of possible scenarios in the future that might help this situation. So on that point, uh, I will now move on to item six. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Item 6 is the Essex County Council Developers Guide to Infrastructure Contributions, uh, the 2015 revision, and I believe Mr Pine will be talking to this item. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You may just wish to wait a moment.
Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. 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 Thank you. Item 6. Yes, thank you, Chairman. This report is about the County Council's current consultation on its revised infrastructure contributions guidance, which will replace the guidance that it produced in 2010. On pages 60 of the report, paragraphs 6 to 10 give some background information, and paragraphs 11 to 14 explain what the main changes are. More detail on those changes is set out in Appendix 1, and I've compiled that table from the service areas listed in the consultation document. Now, the main service areas of interest to this Council are education, highways and transportation, sustainable travel planning and passenger transport. The consultation asks nine questions, which are set out in Appendix 2, along with a suggested reply to each of those questions. The consultation ends on the 3rd of March. I find that much of the draft 2015 guidance has been rolled forward from 2010. A single main change that is worth highlighting, though, is the proposed increase in the threshold for education contributions from 10 to 25 dwellings. There was a slight interruption as Councillor Oliver tripped over his briefcase, <laughs> but we will now continue. Thank you, yes. I'll just recap on, on, on that. On that last part, much of the draft 2015 guidance has been rolled forward from 2010. A single main change that is worth highlighting is the proposed increase in the threshold for education contributions from 10 to 25 dwellings. This change is suggested by the County Council because of the pooling restrictions on Section 106 contributions that come into force in April of this year under the 2010 regulations described in the report. The reasoning is explained in paragraph 12. In the reply, we are cautioned against a one-size-fits-all approach to this threshold, as it may be that different limits could be set for each education type. Chairman, it's recommended that the Working Group endorses the reply set out in Appendix 2, and that the Working Group advises officers of any other points it thinks ought to be included. Thank you. Thank you, Mr Pine. And uh, before I uh, offer this uh, to members, uh, it, this is the key point in terms of uh, education contribution uh, up to 
25 dwellings and I think you asked the right question in terms of what, is that a one size fit all uh, scenario so um, I think we fully endorse that. Councillor Barker. Thank you Chairman. Chairman I was trying to understand when I read this I can quite understand that this is seemed, well, seemed a little counterintuitive to begin with but once one got the principle of five bigger things being put together but are they doing this differently where councils have adopted SIL because this is only for councils which still have Section 106 as their main way of collecting contributions, presumably. That's correct. Um, in relation to SIL, of course, what, it, it's a completely different concept it, in that developer pays a, effectively a levy per square metre of development proposed. And um, the council that receives the levy will then spend that money in accordance with the, um, uh, the priorities that are set out in its charging schedule. So specifically, you, you don't pay a SIL towards education. There's not a SIL, education SIL. There is a SIL charge, part of which would go towards education. Whereas, of course, with Section 106 contributions, you specifically say what the contribution is for in the wording of the agreement. Thank you for that. I think the only thing then that I'd like to comment back to the County Council is we ensure that they ensure, just as we have with um, contributions towards affordable housing, that they have a mechanism in place that large sites are not broken down into small sites so that they continually fall below the 25 limit. Chairman, that, I did notice in the report that there is a comment on that type of scenario and the County said they won't accept it. That, um, if, if it's quite clear that sites are being broken down to um, avoid paying the, the one of six contribution, then they would recommend refusal. Councillor Howell. Mr Chairman, I'm, I'm new to this, and so I'm, I've learnt a new acronym tonight, which I didn't know about, so thank you, Councillor Barker Sills. I'll remember that for future reference. I think officers are entirely right that we should try and avoid a one-size-fits-all approach. And, and if I understand this correctly, it's, it's particularly important in villages and um, small communities where we may often have very small developments. A development of 10 can have a significant impact on a local school in somewhere like Radwinter, changing the size to, to 25 before you make any contribution. I mean, with the exception of Radwinter, I, I, I think the, 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 the most recent development there was 28 properties, but most property, most developments in the ward that I represent will never be on this scale, and it's really important that there are contributions towards education. I was staggered two years ago to learn from somebody from the health service that said that they do not routinely seek contributions for any development under 50 which I think was an astonish astonishing... Yeah, the uh, success of the Stansted uh, Health Centre, um, new health centre in Dunmer is within the plan. So these things are being taken into account and we will continue to work closely to make sure that we get the appropriate health services uh, that this um, district deserves. Okay, are there any other questions? I think um, we've been asked to endorse the replies to the consultation questions set out in Appendix 2. Um, and... Um, advise officers of any other points but we are endorsing those